Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Berkowitz, your host of women leading the way. And do I have a woman who's leading the way today? Um, I'm excited. Our topic and our discussion today is doing good during challenging times. And I'm delighted to introduce our leading lady, who is Wendy Forkis, and she is the CEO of Community Catalyst of California, which is a super cool business name for a nonprofit, by the way, Wendy. So say hello to all of our listeners and welcome. Good morning. I'm glad to have you here because I know you and I were chatting before the show started. And, you know, I I know one of the things I was looking for because everybody, at least pre-COVID, into COVID, and now coming out of COVID, we've all had maybe our things that we, one, learned, you know, the takeaways that we had from 2020. And very special in here is how nonprofits have handled challenging times with COVID. So just for our listeners, you know, can you share just a little bit about your background and how you lead nonprofits? I mean, one, how long have you been in the nonprofit industry? I'm going to start with that question. Well, I hate to admit this, Michelle, but it's been almost 30 years now. (laughs) I started a long time to know what you're doing. (laughs) <laughs> yes. There you go. When no, you were five. I, yeah, we'll go with that. That's right. Yeah. No, I um, I started in my mid-20s, and I uh, was very fortunate to actually start my career with Community Catalysts of California. And um, so I have really spent the majority of my professional career in the intellectual and developmental disability services arena. And um, I also feel very fortunate because although I worked for Community Catalyst for 15 years, I did leave for 10 years and I worked for other nonprofits very similar to Community Catalyst and had the fortune um, once the CEO um, had decided to step down and retire out of the CEO position that I was able to come back to Community Catalyst as their CEO. Wow. I mean, and you're back home. I mean, I love that journey. I want to, I have 10,000 questions for you, I know. I, I, <laughs> I want to go back because the, the title is Doing Good During Challenging Times, and I know every nonprofit, you know, last year was super impacted, you know, with COVID. But let's go back to March last year. And I'm just curious mm-hmm. what where what was going on with your organization at the time? It's like what was the reaction when you know we all got the shutter in place? I know for us and connected women of influence, you know we were ready a week out 
you know, with like 80% of our ballroom filled for the, our annual Women of Influence Awards in San Diego, mm-hmm. and a week from that, our Orange County Women of Influence Awards. And, and it was just like shock and awe and shift and pivot, you know, very quickly based on what was told that we had to shutter in place. What was the impact to your nonprofit and what happened, you know, March, I think it was March 13th is when we all got the... Yeah the dreaded shutter in place. What what was going on over with your nonprofit during that time? Yeah, well, we were in the midst of uh, starting our new strategic plan. And we had, you know, meetings in person, all day meetings uh, set with the staff as well as our board for that. And then, you know, like you said, March 13th, the orders come down. We actually have services throughout California. So for the first like three days, it was incredibly challenging because each county um, and city were doing their own ordinances. And so we were like monitoring all of those, trying to really um, stay on top of it so that we could, you know, communicate with our staff let them know, you know, what they needed to do. But um, within the, like I would say within 48 hours, the executive team and I were like, okay, we need to meet. We need to discuss how we're going to move forward during this time. How are we going to help our managers make quick decisions? Because it's very clear that, you know, if they had to reach us to make decisions, it wasn't fast enough. Things were changing that fast. Mm. So wow. we sat down um, in our boardroom and kind of said, okay, I said, what are our values? Let's talk about our values. And through that process, we all came to an agreement that the best thing to do was to give, like basically empower our management staff to put people first. And that means as long as the decisions they were making we're putting our people's health and safety first and foremost, we would support them in that. Um, and, you know, for us, anytime a difficult decision came up, you know, we always went back to that. What's the best decision for the people, whether that's our employees, whether that's our clients that we're supporting, whether it's, you know, the community in general. So, For the first few days, it was very challenging um, managing all the different uh, counties and city ordinances and trying to communicate and support and reassure our staff. Um, But when they actually, through the state, put the ordinance in place for the, you know, stay in place, that made it a little bit easier because now everybody was on the same, you know, ordinance and it allowed us to spend a little bit more time um, putting some more uh, things in place to better support our staff in the field. Well, yeah, how did you, and if I can ask, Wendy, how did, you know, how did the staff and, the, and your management team react? I mean, this is, you know, this is leading during something none of us ever have had a rule book on, right, other than mm-hmm. a disaster or, you know, floods and fire and all of that. This is different. I mean, mm-hmm. this was like such shock and awe. How did you... Yeah you know, lead during that time? How did you meet people where they were? I mean, I know you're a fabulous leader and I want our mm-hmm. listeners to know because I've seen it. I've heard you talk about your team and that had to be just really challenging to have to shift and pivot like that. But what was kind mm-hmm. of your mind going through of being the leader and having to really, you know, keep everyone in, in wherever, you know, just kind of keep everyone together. I mean, that really was what it was yeah. like, right? 
Absolutely. Um, yes, I. for me, I really felt I had to step up and be a role model and keep people focused on what we had control over and then reassure them that it's okay right now to make a mistake, that it's okay. Nobody knows how to handle this. You can't know that. You, We have to work together. We're here together. Um, but the other thing that everybody has shared is that I just try to really stay positive, not to, you know, be too positive in the sense that, oh, this isn't important, but this is okay. We're strong. We've gone through more difficult times before. We can do this as long as we together stay, you know, um, communicative and supportive. So for me, it was more just reassuring them that we're strong. We can do this as long as we stay together, put people first, you know, it'll be okay. And I think, you know, as uh, I have all my executive leadership are women, Michelle. So you know how women wow. are. We want to take care of things. We want to ensure people um, are successful and we like to be in control. Let's admit it. We like to be in control. And when you're dealing with <laughs> okay, something. I'm raising my hand on that one. Yeah, I'm raising my hand yeah. on that one. Yeah. Like, we like control, baby. And we are out of control, we right? Do. We do. We have control yes. at that time. Yeah. And so just reminding them that's okay. And it's okay that you don't know everything. Let's see what we can do to find the resources or to, you know, support our staff in different ways. But, um, and I'll be honest, I mean, several of my staff emotionally had moments and I was like, that's okay. That's normal. I want you to have those. Because if you're not sharing that, then I'm worried, right? You want people to to be able to feel comfortable um, to be vulnerable because that, to me, is really important as a leader. And then, uh, God, here's my question to you. Forgive me because I know sometimes we talk over each other because I get so excited on the things you're bringing <laughs> up. I, I know one, you know, this is one question I have, and if you are willing to peel back the layers a little bit, <clears throat> and I will share too, is my question to you is what was the hardest part? Like for you, was it always putting on the, you know, we're going to get through this, we're going to make it. Because for me, it was like, it was a a lane I'd never been down before. I don't think Mm -hmm. many leaders had, right? And, you know, trying to keep the, oh, we got this, we're going to get through it. I mean, we shifted quickly as well. But I think one of the hardest things for me was, you know, always, like, I didn't have any release for me. And and I got, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it got rough, you know, the last part of the end of the year last year was just like we were, I was personally, you know, fried. Mm-hmm. Like I just was done mm-hmm. on being, you know, cooped up and all of that. And I was having a real hard time, you know, just kind of keeping the, you know, the, the good leadership face on, I have to admit. What was mm-hmm. most challenging for you as a leader? Was it, you know, just, I don't know, I'm, I'm not guessing. So what was your biggest challenge? You know, my biggest challenge uh, was <laughs> – what I, you know, what I just said, my, you know, as a woman, I wanted to make everything all right. I wanted them not to be stressed. I didn't want them to be fearful. And so the hardest part for me was not being able to resolve that for them, knowing that there was nothing mm-hmm. I could do to take that away from them. Um, so that probably That's was the hardest part is knowing that I 
no matter what I did, I couldn't protect them. You know, I they had to experience it. I had all I could do was to be there to hear them, support them, reassure them. But you know, I really I didn't want them to be working 24/7. I didn't want them to be, you know, so feeling so um concerned about taking time for themselves because they felt they needed to be there constantly for their staff. And that really was the hardest part was me saying, I think you need to take time. I can handle this. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) And just to know they weren't, you know, that to me was very hard, but as a, you know, kind of Michelle, what you were talking about in regards, like, you know, as a leader, sometimes we don't have that release and, um, I will be open and honest that for the first time in my life, I started to do meditation at home because I needed to, right? I needed to mm-hmm. stay focused. I needed to stay strong. Um, like you had indicated, you know, I needed to come in and be positive and supportive and reassuring. And that that is hard. That's hard to do for months on end when there's just all this fear, insecurity, you know, for us, because we're essential services, we literally were sending people into the community and into the homes and where they were putting themselves and their families at risk. And that's, wow. we had to do that. That's tough, right? It's tough to know that that's that what you're be, asking that your would direct be tough. service staff to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially, yeah. especially with everything changing as it was from, you know, don't wear a mask to wear a mask to, you know, then it was like, okay, outdoors, but sort of, but not. I mean, that that whole thing, mm-hmm. I think that's what, you know, at least for me, it was like, God, things just kept, you felt like you were moving forward and it looked like there was a, t- a tiny bit of light and then there wasn't. And then, and then add, mm-hmm. so here's another question, all the other things that were going on besides the pandemic, right? I think that for so many businesses, and I'm just curious for you, like what kind of an impact, you know, did everything going on last year make on you and your nonprofit as far as fundraising or donations Mm -hmm. or if you're willing to share, because I can't imagine that you were able to execute a lot of your fundraising campaigns last year, or were you? Yeah, well, you know, uh, my organization doesn't do heavy fundraising, but it definitely um, had a significant impact because that, you know, for me, it was my strategic plan and trying to get that done because one of the things that we were working towards is in that strategic plan to take more a more active role in fundraising. And because of COVID, you know, I didn't get my strategic plan done um, at the time that I had hoped. Um, I did manage to get it done, but by that time it was almost the end of the <laughs> year. So that's pushed that out, you know, another year for um, me to actually start to really plan out active fundraising. Um, But I will tell you that um, other organizations I know had this whole contract, like they were like, do we still do, they had put so much money already in an event. And how do we do that? Do we try to do that virtually? Do we just not do it? Um, And so I know in the nonprofit, you know, industry, there were nonprofits that just canceled their entire event, which is a large events, which, you know, are their biggest fundraisers of the year, um, yeah. while others, you know, pivoted. I hate to use that word, but that's truly what they did. They pivoted and they <laughs> did a virtual one. And I will tell you, unfortunately, I think with the virtual one, you know, 
it, they still had to have the same pricing, but I think people were less likely to participate because they were like, I'm not getting what I would have gotten had it been an in-person event. So, um, yeah. you know, that kind of hit them uh, a little hard in that respect. And, and then there were other organizations in honesty that probably are, were just so overwhelmed with having to completely revamp how they were providing services that they really didn't have the time to focus on anything other than that. So probably yeah. didn't do any fundraising um, last year. But how nice that you guys didn't have to. And I know when I come back, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, but when I come back, I'd really like to know, like, how was there any of that going on for you, or was it the sole focus was on building the strategic plan, and then how did you do that? So hang with me, and we're going to take a quick sponsor break. Um, Women Lead Radio is brought to you day by, today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be San Diego's largest private nonprofit university founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. And today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. So thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And now, Wendy, I'm back to you again. So thank you, our sponsors. Um, Talk to me about this strategic plan because I, you used a word that I'm trying very hard this year never to use again, <laughs> but I don't think it's possible. And the word is pivot, right? That's all we did last year yes. is pivot, pivot, pivot. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, adapting <laughs> is one thing, but the pivot was monumental. How – let me ask a different question. What were the biggest takeaways, you know, for you as a nonprofit leader, like not personal, but as a leader running a nonprofit, what were the biggest takeaways, you know, that it were either good stuff or challenging stuff that kind of you look back on 2020 and go, this is what we learned as a nonprofit? You know, I think my biggest takeaway is um, sometimes nonprofits need to be forced to update and move forward. And what I mean by that mm. is that many nonprofits weren't using a lot of technology. And uh, that kind of changed significantly uh, in the last year because many organizations had to go virtual and that required technology. So that required, you know, utilizing, uh, you know, video uh, conferencing, whether that's Zoom, FaceTime, um, you know, that was a huge takeaway that it really propelled the nonprofit um, world forward in that respect because they had to adjust to that. They had to find ways to do their services um, and provide their support through virtual, you know, technology. Right. And um, that, I think, for me, is like a huge takeaway. I love it. Um, you know, I was pushing <laughs> our organization to put many of the systems that they were still doing in paper um, into cloud-based systems. And so that actually helped ensure that we implemented our case management system, which is um, was start. it was started prior to COVID, but then 
um, that became a priority because of COVID. And so the resistance that was there, um, it was like, who, we know it's difficult for change, but we have to do this because right now this is the only way we can do our case noting and the only way we can get information to our staff because they can't come in the office. They can't, you know, come talk to us. So um, I think right. that's one huge big takeaway for the nonprofits. I think the other is understanding that we have to work together um, because in many of the nonprofit industries, you know, a lot of times they see each other as competitors when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to, you know, services. But with COVID, it really pushed the community to come together and to share and help um, other organizations. So those organizations that were able to quickly um, start providing supports and services virtually, they were sharing that with others so that they too could um, start to, you know, provide different types of services to ensure that the people that we serve were not isolated and were still getting, um, you know, engagement and getting uh, reassurance um, that people were there for them. Um, and then mm -hmm. I think the other one is, the, the last one I would say is, you know, people, people matter, Michelle. Yeah. You know, people are important. And in that whole year, the one thing that stayed consistent is we are here for the people. We have to be here for the people because without us, they're alone. They're isolated. They're not getting their health needs met. They're not staying safe. Yeah. So for me, it just, again, emphasized that, you know, sometimes um, the bottom line, um, these other goals that we've set for the organization they're not as important as ensuring that our people are, you know, healthy and safe. I think that is probably to our listeners, man, what a powerful message that is, Wendy, because, you know, I always say, we're, and I've heard this from other people, but we're all in the people business. I don't care what, we're, mm -hmm. what business we're in. Even if you're a technology company, you still are in the people business, right? And when you realize mm -hmm. that, I think that was – well, just like you said, the biggest takeaway for me last year was, was looking for ways to just meet our members where they were. Like some were thriving and flourishing and going crazy because they were busier than mm -hmm. they've ever been, especially in the mortgage and the real estate industry, right? And then there were mm -hmm. those that like literally, I mean, when COVID hit, their entire po portfolio of business was just gone. Or, you know, some of our members had, you know, brick and mortar locations, which made it really tough mm -hmm. if they weren't ready, you know, to be able to be virtual. I mean, for us, we were lucky. But, you know, when you think of professionally, you know, the biggest takeaway that you had last year as a leader, was it that people, the people matter or were there other maybe more professional individual takeaways that you had? Because I know for me, it was just the idea that we uh, – we were able to shift and pivot that quickly, and I would have never thought we were able to do that. Like, it, that to me was is still shock and awe that we just immediately pivoted and were like, I'm good, we're just going to do this, you know? So what was yours from a personal and, you, you know, professional standpoint? Yeah, I think because although I had worked with the organization previously, I had, at the time COVID hit, hadn't even been 
back with the organization as their CEO for a year yet. And even though I had worked previously with some of the executive team, um, my takeaway is that by going through that experience and having to really, I mean, really put that vulnerability out on the table for all of us, we all saw each other at different times struggling emotionally, you know, personally. There, you know, there were so many other events besides COVID, as we know, that happened last year that were huge emotionally uh, charged that impacted my team. But the one takeaway, we are stronger and I think more uh, aligned today than we were a year ago, for sure. And I just feel that that's just, that's the foundation that's going to help us just propel forward in the coming year, for sure. I think, I think that's awesome. I, I do want to talk to you about you know, this magnanimous strategic plan. How about that for words? <laughs> you know, we've got a few minutes left, and I'm, I'm just dying to know what, when you were going through the process of developing now the, the magnanimous strategic plan, how much of an impact did COVID have in how you, you know, looked at your plan differently? Like, give us a little bit of a snapshot of what, what changed for you? How, how significant was COVID, knowing that we didn't know when it was going to be hopefully better days ahead, but what, what was the process like to do now this new strategic plan? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing, biggest change for me was having to uh, figure out how to continue to do the strategic plan knowing I couldn't get the board into a room for several hours um, and, you know, really having to strategize what's the best process, you know, to do that and still ensure that they get engaged and connected with the strategic plan, especially since I being a new CEO. But then, of course, we had done all of our, uh, you know, SWOT analysis prior to COVID. So, of course, (laughs) we had to go back in, revisit all of that, you know, look at now what are the opportunities. And to be honest, that probably was really helpful because when you're in COVID, you know, you're just looking at, okay, what are we doing? How, how do we get through day by day by day, right? Um, but when we were doing that part of the strategic plan, it forced us to really look at it and say, okay, there has to be opportunities from this. What, what are they? What are those things mm-hmm. that we could take advantage of? And I think that was really helpful and did kind of help people feel a little less um, concerned, you know, that even at the end of this, there was still some bright, shining opportunities that we could take advantage of as an organization. And, you know, the technology, definitely one of them. Um, And then within our system, previously, we'd only be able to be paid if we did face-to-face service. And now, because of COVID, we've been getting paid to do virtual services that aren't necessarily face-to-face. And that is something that, you know, we see as an opportunity. And I was able, actually, to take advantage of that and partner with another organization that already has online curriculum platform. And so that was a huge opportunity for us. And that came, you know, kind of was strengthened through this process of looking at what are the opportunities that um, are going to be there for us as an organization when we get through this pandemic. So, um, you know, it, it was a struggle 
to be honest, the, the hardest part was getting, you know, bored through Zoom to be active and engaged and um, in, you know, something that normally you are all really close in a room. You can feed off of each other's energy. You can have those conversations and really understand where people are coming from. And, you know, through Zoom, that's just, it's just a whole different experience. But uh, in the end, um, you know, I'm really happy that we did get the strategic plan done because, again, I think it helped give everybody something positive, um, something to say, look, we as an organization are still strong. Look at all these things that we're going to focus on and do in the coming years. Um, And that kind of gives people hope um, and gives them something positive to look forward to in the future. So, you know, it served a couple of different things during uh, COVID, but I would say, um, I did just say this to someone last week. I said, you know, being, you know, the first strategic plan that I've done as a CEO with this organization, I would have preferred not to have to do it over Zoom. For sure. 